March 8th, Monday. Let's pray before we read. Holy Heavenly Father, creator and sustainer of everyone and everything, thank you for this day. Thank you for the ability to start another week. In your presence, Lord, I ask that you would open up every one of our hearts and our minds so that we might retain your word, so that all the distractions might be cut away, so that joy would fill our hearts, so that we would embrace your word and understand you and delight in your will, so that we might get a glimpse at who you have revealed yourself as, that we might find comfort in our distress and be changed and renewed by the sanctification of your most holy word. For Christ's sake and for our good, in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Exodus 19. Israel at Sinai. In the third month from the very day the Israelites left the land of Egypt, they came to the Sinai wilderness. They traveled from Rephidim, came to the Sinai wilderness, and camped in the wilderness. Israel camped there in front of the mountain. Moses went up the mountain to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain. This is what you must say to the house of Jacob and explain to the Israelites. You've seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. If you, will, if you will carefully listen to me and keep my covenant, it will be my own possession out of all the peoples. Although the whole earth is mine, it will be my kingdom of priests and my holy nation. These are the words that you are to say to the Israelites. After Moses came back, he summoned the elders of the people and set before them all these words that the Lord had commanded him. And all the people responded together. We will do all that the Lord has spoken. So Moses brought the people's words back to the Lord. The Lord said to Moses, I'm going to come to you in a dense cloud so that the people will hear what I speak with you and will always believe you. Moses reported the people's words to the Lord. And the Lord told Moses, Go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow. They must wash their clothes and be prepared by the third day. For on the third day the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. Put boundaries for the people all around the mountain and say, Be careful that you don't go up on the mountain or touch its base. Anyone who touches the mountain must be put to death. No hand may touch him. Instead he will be stoned or shot with arrows and not live whether animal or human. When the ram's horn sounds a long blast, they must go up the mountain. Then Moses came down from the mountain to the people and consecrated them, and they washed their clothes. He said to the people, Be prepared by the third day. Do not have sexual relations with women. On the third day, when morning came, there was thunder and lightning, a thick cloud on the mountain, and a very loud trumpet sound so that all the people to the camp shuddered. When Moses, then Moses, brought the people out of the camp to meet God, 
and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Mount Sinai was completely enveloped in smoke because the Lord came down on it in fire. Its smoke went up like the smoke of a furnace, and the whole mountain shook violently. As the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke, and God answered him in the thunder. In the thunder, the Lord came down on Mount Sinai at the top of the mountain, and the Lord summoned Moses to the top of the mountain, and he went up. The Lord directed Moses, "Go down and warn the people not to break through to see the Lord; otherwise, many of them will die." Even the priests who come near the Lord must consecrate themselves, or the Lord will break out in anger against them. Moses responded to the Lord, "The people cannot come up Mount Sinai since you warned us. Put a boundary around the mountain and consecrate it." And the Lord replied to him, "Go down and come back with Aaron. But the priests and the people must not break through to come up to the Lord, or he will break out in anger against them." So Moses went down to the people and told them. Hmm. Exodus nineteen. Job thirty-seven. Job thirty-seven is next here. at this and leaps from my chest. Just listen to his thunderous voice and the rumbling that comes from his mouth. He lets it loose beneath the entire sky, his lightning to the ends of the earth. And there comes a roaring sound. God thunders with his majestic voice. He does not restrain the lightning when his rumbling voice is heard. God thunders wondrously with his voice. He does great things that we cannot comprehend. For he says to the snow, "Fall to the earth," and the torrential rains, his mighty torrential rains, serve as his sign to all mankind, so that all men may know his work. The wild animals enter their lairs and stay in their dens. The windstorm comes from its chamber, and the cold from the driving north winds. Ice is formed by the breath of God, and watery expanses are frozen. He saturates clouds with moisture. He scatters his lightning through them. They swirl about, turning round and round at his direction, accomplishing everything he commands them over the surface of the inhabited world. He causes this to happen for punishment for his land, for his faithful love. Listen to this, Job. Stop and consider God's wonders. Do you know how God directs his clouds, or makes their lightning flash? Do you understand how the clouds float? Those wonderful works of Him who has perfect knowledge. You whose clothes get hot when the south winds brings calm to the land, can you help God spread out the skies? As hard as a cast metal mirror, teach us what we should say to Him. We cannot prepare our case because of our darkness. Should He be told that I want to speak? Can a man speak when he is confused? Now, no one even can even look at the sun when it is in the skies. After a wind has swept through and cleared the clouds away, yet out of the north he comes, shrouded in a golden glow. Awesome majesty surrounds him. 
the Almighty, we cannot reach him. He is exalted in power. He will not violate justice and abundant righteousness. Therefore, men fear him. He does not look favorably on any who are wise in heart. daily proverb here words of Solomon the book of wisdom Proverbs 8 doesn't wisdom call out doesn't understanding make her voice heard at the heights overlooking the road at the crossroads she takes her stand beside the gates leading into the city at the main entrance, she cries out, People, I call out to you. My cry is to the children of Adam. Learn to be shrewd, you who are inexperienced. Develop common sense, you who are foolish. Listen, for I speak of noble things, and what my lips say is right. For my mouth tells the truth, and the wickedness is detestable to my lips. All the words from my mouth are righteous. None of them are deceptive or perverse. All of them are clear to the perceptive and right to those who discover knowledge. Accept my instruction instead of silver and knowledge rather than pure gold. For wisdom is better than jewels and nothing desirable can equal it. I, wisdom, share a home with shrewdness and have knowledge and discretion. To fear the Lord is to hate evil. I hate arrogant pride, evil conduct and perverse speech. I possess good advice and sound wisdom. I have understanding and strength. It is by me that kings reign and rulers enact just law. By me, princes lead, as do nobles and all righteous judges. I love those who love me, and those who search for me find me. With me are riches and honor, lasting wealth and righteousness. My fruit is better than solid gold in my harvest and pure silver. I walk in the ways of righteousness along the paths of justice, giving wealth as an inheritance to those who love me and filling their treasuries. The Lord acquired me at the beginning of his creation, before his works of long ago. I was formed before ancient times from the beginning, before the earth began. I was born when there were no watery depths and no springs filled with water. Before the mountains were established, prior to the hills, I was given birth. Before he made the land, the fields, or the first soil on earth, I was there when he established the heavens, when he laid out the horizon on the surface of the ocean, when he placed the skies above, when the fountains of the ocean gushed out, when he set a limit for the sea so that the waters would not violate his command, when he laid out the foundations of the earth, I was a skilled craftsman beside him. I was his delight every day, always rejoicing before him. I was rejoicing in the inhabited world, the delighting in the children of Adam. And now, sons, listen to me. Those who keep my ways are happy. Listen to instruction and be wise. Don't ignore it. Anyone who listens to me is happy. 
watching at my doors every day, waiting by the posts of my doorway. The one who finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. But the one who misses me harms himself. All who hate me love death. That's Proverbs 8. Now on to the Gospel of Luke. Gospel of Luke, chapter 22. The plot to kill Jesus. The festival of unleavened bread, which is called Passover, was approaching. The chief priests and the scribes were looking for a way to put him to death because they were afraid of the people. Then Satan entered Judas, called Issachar, who was numbered among the twelve. He went away and discussed with the chief priests and the temple police how he could hand him over to them. They were glad and agreed to give him silver. So he accepted the offer and started looking for a good opportunity to betray him to them when the crowd was not present. Then the day of unleavened bread came when the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. Jesus sent Peter and John saying, Go and make preparations for us to eat the Passover. Where do you want us to prepare? They asked him. Listen, he said to them. When you enter the city, a man carrying a water jug will meet you. Follow him into the house he enters. Tell the owner of the house. The teacher asks you, Where's the guest room where I can eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large furnished room upstairs. Make the preparations there. So they went and found it just as he told them, and they prepared the Passover. When the hour came, he reclined at the table and the apostles with him. Then he said to them, I have fervently desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat again until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup, and after giving thanks, he said, Take this and share it among yourselves, for I tell you, from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine till the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, gave it to them, and said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supply, after supper, and said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood which is poured out for you. But look, the hand of the one who betrays me sitting with me at the table. But the Son of Man will go away as it has been determined. But woe to this man to whom he is betrayed. So they began to argue among themselves which of them it could be who was going to do it. Then a dispute also arose among them about who should be considered the greatest. But he said to them, The kings of the Gentiles lord it over them. And those who have authority over them have themselves called benefactors. It is not to be like that among you. On the contrary, whoever is greatest among you should become like the youngest, and whoever leads like the one serving. For who is greater, the one at the table or the one serving? Isn't it the one at the table? But I am among you as the one who serves. You are those who stood by me in my trials. I bestow on you a kingdom, just as my father bestowed one on me, so that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom, 
and you will sit on thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Simon, Simon, look out. Satan has asked to sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And you, when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. Lord, he told him, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death. I tell you, Peter, he said, the rooster will not crow today until you deny me three times. He also said to them, when I sent you out with money bag, without money bag, traveling bag, or sandals, did you lack anything? Not a thing, they said. Then he said to them, but now, whoever has a money bag should take it and also a traveling bag. And whoever doesn't have a sword should sell his robe and buy one. For I tell you, what is written must be fulfilled in me. And he was counted among the lawless. Yes, what is written about me is coming to its fulfillment. Lord, they said, look, here are two swords. That is enough, he told them. He went out and made his way, as usual, to the Mount of Olives, and the disciples followed him. When he reached the place, he told them, Pray that you may not fall into temptation. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw, knelt down, and began to pray, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours, be done. Then an angel from heaven appeared to him, strengthening him. Being in anguish, he prayed more fervently, and his sweat became like drops of blood falling to the ground. When he got up from prayer and came to the disciples, he found them sleeping, exhausted from their grief. Why are you sleeping? he asked them. Get up and pray so that you won't fall into temptation. While he was still speaking, suddenly a mob came, and one of the twelve named Judas was leading them. He came near Jesus to kiss him, but Jesus said to him, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? And those around him saw what was going to happen. They asked, Lord, should we strike them with a sword? And one of them struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. But Jesus responded, no more of this. And touching his ear, he healed him. And Jesus said to the chief priests, temple police, and the elders who had come for him, Have you come out with swords and clubs as if I were a criminal? Every day while I was with you in the temple, you never laid a hand on me, but this is your brother in the dominion of darkness. They seized him, led him away, and brought him into the high priest's house. Meanwhile, Peter was following at a distance. They lit a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, and Peter sat among them. When a servant saw him sitting in the light and looked closely at him, she said, This man was with him too. But he denied it. Woman, I don't know him. After a little while, someone else saw him and said, You're one of them too. Man, I am not, Peter said. About an hour later, another kept insisting, This man was certainly with him, since he's also a Galilean. But Peter said, Man, I don't know what you're talking about immediately. While he was still speaking, a rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. So Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said to him, Before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. 
and he went outside and wept bitterly. The men who were holding Jesus started mocking and beating him. After blindfolding him, they kept asking, Prophesy, who was it that hit you? And they were saying many other blasphemous things to him. When daylight came, the elders of the people, both the chief priests and the scribes, convened and brought him before their Sanhedrin. They said, If you are the Messiah, tell us. But he said to them, If I do tell you, you will not believe. And if I ask you, you will not answer. But from now on, the Son of Man will be seated at the right hand of the power of God. They all asked, Are you then the Son of God? And he said to them, You say that I am. Why do we need any more testimony, they said, since we've heard it ourselves from his mouth? Luke 22. It's powerful. 2 Corinthians 7 is on the agenda today. Which is part of our three chapter March meditation run. So we'll just go ahead and read seven through nine right now. Fits in for today. So then, dear friends, since we have these promises, let us cleanse ourselves from every impurity of the flesh and spirit. bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. Make room for us in your hearts. We have wronged no one, corrupted no one, taken advantage of no one. I don't say this to condemn you, since I have already said that you are in our hearts, to die together and to live together. I'm very frank with you. I have great pride in you. I'm filled with encouragement. I'm overflowing with joy in all our afflictions. In fact, when we came into Macedonia, we had no rest. Instead, we were troubled in every way. Conflicts on the outside, fears within. But God who comforts the downcast comforted us by the arrival of Titus, not only by his arrival, but also by the comfort he received from you. He told us about your deep longing, your sorrow, and your zeal for me, so that I rejoiced even more. For even if I grieved you with my letter, I don't regret it. And if I regretted it, since I saw that the letter grieved you, yet only for a while, I now rejoice, not because you were grieved, but because your grief led to repentance. For you were grieved as God willed, so that you didn't experience any loss from us. For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret. But worldly grief produces death. Consider how much diligence this very thing, as grieving as God wills, has produced in you. What a desire to clear yourself. What indignation, what fear, what deep longing, what zeal, what justice. In every way you showed yourselves to be pure in this matter. So even though I wrote to you, it was not because of the one who did wrong, or because of the one who was wronged but in order that your devotion to us might be made plain to you in the sight of God. For this reason, we have been comforted. 
In addition to our own comfort, we rejoiced even more over the joy Titus had, because his spirit was refreshed by all of you. For if I have made any boast to him about you, I have not been disappointed, but as I have spoken everything to you in truth, so our boasting to Titus has also turned out to be the truth, and his affection toward you is even greater as he remembers the obedience of all of you and how you received him with fear and trembling. I rejoice that I have complete confidence in you. We want you to know, brothers, 2 Corinthians 8, we want you to know, brothers and sisters, about the grace of God that was given to the churches of Macedonia during a severe trial brought about by affliction, their abundant joy and their extreme poverty overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. I can testify that according to their ability and even beyond their ability, of their own accord, they begged us earnestly for the privilege of sharing in the ministry to the saints. And not just as we had hoped. Instead, they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us by God's will. So we urged Titus that just as he had begun, so he should also complete among this act of grace. Now, as you excel in everything, in faith, speech, knowledge, and in all diligence, and in your love for us, excel also in this act of grace. I'm not saying this as a command, rather by means of the diligence of others. I am testing the genuineness of your love. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, for your sake he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. And in this matter I am giving advice because it is profitable for you, who began last year not only to do something, but also to want to do it. Now also finish the task, so that just as there was an eager desire, there may also be a completion according to what you have. For if the eagerness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. It is not that there should be relief for others and hardship for you, but it is a question of equality. At the present time, your surplus is available for their need, so that their abundance may in turn meet your need, in order that there may be equality. As it is written, the person who had much did not have too much, and the person who had little did not have too little. Thanks be to God, who put the same concern for you into the heart of Titus, for he welcomed our appeal, and being very diligent, went out to you by his own choice. We have sent him with the brothers, who is praising among all the churches for his gospel ministry. And not only that, but he was also appointed by the churches to accompany us with a gracious gift that we are administering for the glory of the Lord himself, and to show our eagerness to help. We are taking this precaution so that no one will criticize us about this large sum we are administering. Indeed, we are giving careful thought to do what is right, not only before the Lord, but also before people. We have also sent with them our brother. We have often tested him in many circumstances and found him to be diligent, and now even more diligent because of this great confidence in you. As for Titus, he is my partner and co-worker for you. As for our brothers, they are the messengers of the churches. The glory of Christ. Therefore, show them proof before the churches of your love and of our boasting about you. 
Now concerning the ministry to the saints, it is unnecessary for me to write to you, for I know your eagerness, and I boast about you to the Macedonians. Achaia has been ready since last year, and your zeal has stirred up most of them. But I am sending the brothers so that our boasting about you in this matter would not prove empty, and so that you would be ready, just as I said. Otherwise, if any Macedonians come with me and find you unprepared, we, not to mention you, would be put to shame in that situation. Therefore, I considered it necessary to urge the brothers to go on ahead of you, to you, and arrange the advice, the generous gift you promised, so that it would be ready as a gift, not as an extortion. The point is this, the person who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and the person who shows, sows generously will also reap generously. Each person should do as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or out of compulsion, since God loves a cheerful giver. God is able to make every grace overflow to you, so that in every way, always having everything you need, you may excel in every good work. As it is written, He distributed freely, He gave to the poor His righteousness endures forever. Now to the one who provides seed for the sower and bread for food will also provide and multiply your seed and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way for all generosity, which produces thanksgiving to God through us. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but it is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the proof provided by this ministry, they will glorify God for your obedient confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone. And as they pray on your behalf, they will have deep affection for you because of the surpassing grace of God in you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Let us pray. Father, your word is truth. Sanctify us with your truth. Allow us to understand your word and be saturated in your word. Let us soak it in and absorb it into our very being today, Lord. Dive into this week, Lord, and glorify you in everything that we do. Singing your praises, working out as a lamp that shines into the world and shows forth the glory of Jesus Christ. Let us be a signpost that points to your goodness and your faithfulness and your truth. Let's be immersed in service, Lord. For the greatest among us will be a servant of all. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.